I'm Eddie Krawick. I'm Andrew Hines. I'm Angel Sampe, and this is The Skinny. From Fathead Studios in Speedway, Indiana, this is The Skinny. We have an exciting show coming your way today with one of the most iconic teams in all of motorsports. When you think about NHRA and some of the big names, well, certainly Force, Coletta, and Schumacher would come to mind. But one would be remiss if they didn't also include the team, Vance and Hines. The team and the company have been winning for 40 years, and we have all three very talented and extremely successful riders on the show. Welcome, guys. We appreciate you finding the time to come out here and hang with us a little bit. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks, Ken. As always, you know, it's uh, it's fun to come out to these uh, these things, especially when they're really close to you. It makes it even more fun. Yeah, you two obviously uh, just a stone's throw away, if you will. And Angel also with us. She's chiming in from Louisiana. Welcome as well. Yeah, via the Internet, thanks to technology, I can reach you from Bayou Country. You three... Riders, drivers. I, I tend to say drivers. I, do you have an, a do you have a preference? Does it upset you one way or the other? I mean, you're not really riding on those things. You are driving them, but certainly motorcycle riders are known with that term. I'm usually called a lot worse. So <laughs> when you're called a rider, a driver, that's a plus. But uh, no, I I don't mind either way. I mean, actually, I like the rider side of it because yeah. I think we're riding it. You know, there's people that tried changing that early on, and I don't know, probably the 2000s that no they need to be drivers and no we're riders who knows you know? it's been a while since i've seen my motorcycle or been on it i'm pretty <laughs> sure it doesn't have a steering wheel so pretty yeah. sure i'm riding the thing down the, the racetrack over 145 wins for you three alone not counting matt 13 championships if we count matt another three there absolutely incredible success and and, you know, I kind of pigeonholed you guys whenever I said NHRA, super teams, but certainly the Vance and Hines company is much, much more than that. Probably better lines up with a Ganassi or, or a Penske, given the diversity that you guys have, have enjoyed and the success in that diversity as well across a number of different disciplines, all involving motorcycles. Right. You know, Vance and Hines, we had a, a long history in all of motorcycle racing. You know, it goes back to my dad and Terry Vance in the 70s before Vance and Hines was even founded in 1979. So... You know, once uh, Vance and Hines got up and going, they, they were known for drag racing, but throughout the 80s, they were dabbling in uh, super, AMA Superbike throughout the country and also all the other drag racing series around. It wasn't always just pro-stock motorcycle. It wasn't just uh, top-fuel motorcycle that they ran back then. Uh, they were doing IDBA stuff and AMRA or not, whatever else was sanctions were around back then, but uh, you know, top gas, double-engine Hondas and double-engine this and that. And uh, Their 4A through the 90s was a big push through through a superbike, so running Ducatis and Yamahas for the factory, and uh, hecka, what else have we done there, Eddie? But um, got in touch with Harley Davidson there in, in late 1999 through 2000, and uh, worked this way to bringing out these V twins into the NHRA scene and kind of changing the face of NHRA, where it was always dominated by the four cylinders. Uh, now we brought up the V twins, and, and still at Vance and Hines, though we do supply four cylinder motorcycles, and then we also raise our own V twins. Yeah, there's so much history here. As you talk about, I said 40 years for the team and the company. Really, the team, if you want to talk about Terry Vance and Byron Hines, obviously your father, going back to 72, like you said, near 50 years, yeah. those two have been together. And you, it's funny, you bring up the twin-engine Honda. Actually, the triple-engine Honda that Russ Collins had in 72, I think, is when, uh, is when Terry met Russ and then went to work for him. And then your father was working with Russ and those two became a team, a very successful team, obviously, which of course blossomed into 
Vance and Hines. It's a, it's an awesome story. Yeah, we always joke that uh, when my dad met Terry at the track <laughs> that night, he was uh, he needed a guy to come sweep the shop. So he's, he's like, <laughs> here's a kid that wanted just to ride bikes and go fast at the racetrack. And he's like, hey, we can bring him back to RC and uh, get him a job. And then also Russ realized how good of a salesman Terry could be. And then it just took off from there. But uh, the history with the, the triple and the double back then, I hear all my, my dad tell all these stories. And I, I joke with Eddie. He's like, every day, you know, my dad's still at the shop every day. He's never... He's never not there. You know, his, his mind is always wanting to do the next great thing. But you go into his office and next you go to ask a question about, hey, <laughs> how long, how, you know, how much piston do all we need on this and something like that. And you'll sit down and half an hour later, like, I haven't heard that story before. Where did you get that? And you're you're, you're hearing how you need like seven thousands in like a Honda CT50 trail bike that they put nitro in. And, you know, him, him and Terry were at the shop and did all sorts of stupid stuff, but it's, it's, it is, it's amazing stories that you get and little flat uh, track 50 CC racing inside Vance and Hines back in 1982. They're running, they move boxes out of the way and go race bikes. And they say to us, don't be stupid, right? That's, that's what we got. It's like, don't be stupid. And you're like, well, you're telling us a very dumb story of what you did. Yeah. Great ideas are based (laughs) off of stupid ideas. You know, and they kind of blossom, right? They, they come together. I, I stumbled onto this story that the, the Suzuki power plant, the bottom end wasn't quite as strong as Kawasaki's were back uh, back in that era. So they literally made steel cases for, for, for them. Yeah, four sets, is that what it was? Made. Four yep. sets, yeah. <clears throat> Pretty cool stuff to uh, to go out of their way and, and find them something so that they could stay true to Suzuki. Yeah, to be that heavily involved with the factory and for the factory to <laughs> say, to have enough foresight to say, this is a big deal going on. Let's help out this team as much as we can to actually... You know, move from aluminum to steel cases was that's a that's a big undertaking. Yeah, no. you know, and, and mentioning the the triple or or the double engine bike and all that going back to the RC engineering, we actually just did a restoration project for for his son, and uh, he's in the process of restoring both those motorcycles and going through that. But we redid the heads uh, to actually the current spec of exactly what they are because they had one head that was torched, and it's funny, like Andrew says, you hear these stories. Byron gets the head and he looks at it and you you know you start seeing like oh I remember doing that yeah. when you know I had to put it on a bridge port and go through weld it and this is all that happening now we could throw stuff on a CNC machine nowadays hit the button walk away come back you got a finished part yeah. but uh, you know Byron had probably two three weeks into making a head for that bike and uh, it's pretty cool making making and being part of what I'd like to say is the history or the resurgence of the history of that motorcycle. There's no notebook for that thing. It's all in my dad's head. It's scary how he can just pull numbers and he knows exactly what each measurement was uh, to the yep. thousandth. And same thing with his results on the racetrack. You know, he knows every speed and every <laughs> ET with any bike anytime he took it out on a Wednesday night or whatever at, uh, at Lyons, Orange County. Pretty amazing. I was also very surprised. I, I think I knew this at some point in time, but had clearly forgotten it along with most of the stuff that I know. Um, your dad rode, and I didn't realize that. And yep. he actually won an NHRA Pro Stock event. I was Only like, one oh, on a Yamaha. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, to actually win one. And, and, and then I love the quote underneath that. I think he said, well, I won one, but the bike should have won six. So I clearly <laughs> figured out that I, I was not the rider that I, sh- that I should be. <laughs> yeah, that, that one race win in Topeka, it actually, uh, during this quarantine time, he got the uh, DVD converter out. So he's taken his all, all his old VHS tapes and put them on DVD. And he comes over to my house one day. He's like, here, watch this. And it's 1992 Sears Craftsman Topeka Nationals or whatever it was. And um, watching old history, I got my nine-year-old son there with me. And it's really cool to see my son's reaction to his grandfather winning his one event and uh, watching the 
my dad give interviews on TV, and I was like, wow, I kind of kind of sound like him. That's a scary thing. And you know, he's critiquing himself and always looking for that that to, how to be better, and uh, you know, not giving himself any credit. But he got the job done. Byron's a very quiet guy. If he doesn't know you or you don't know any, but I can tell you, man, when we get in a room with him, he's it's it's you know, gloves are off. We have a good time, and he's he's very good and fun to be around. Unfortunately, I probably didn't get to spend as much time with my dad as I would like to when I was younger. Cause, but I always remember him coming home at ten or eleven o'clock at night, and my mom would have a plate of food for him, and I'd go sit down next to him upstairs while he watched TV and ate his dinner, and you know, just be with my dad. At that point, there was a. Uh, you know, as always, dad was at a race or, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, Cal- I grew up in California the first 10 years of my life. And, you know, dad was on the East coast and wait, racing at new, new Jersey or, uh, in Ohio somewhere. And, uh, you know, I, I would relish those days and I see it now with my son, you know, dad, can I go to work with you? I'm like, Oh, not today. Maybe on Saturday. And that I was that kid. I was, you know, I'd go, with my, go to work with my dad on Saturday mornings. We stop at McDonald's, he'd grab me yeah. food and we'd go in the shop and <laughs> I go, there was like, there was points in the shop that I, you know, I didn't feel comfortable going past a certain a certain door. <laughs> the you know, safe zones. Yeah. You know, I, I'd feel comfortable hanging out by the race bikes and by the mills and things like that. But back in the pipe production, it was like, that was like the no man's land. Like, I'm not going back there. You see guys wearing masks and goggles and full, full polishing counts. suits. Like, <laughs> the aliens. Yeah. The aliens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> alien alien uh, nightmares all because of that. Yeah. When I knife edged the cranks, I had on the, the big gas mask yeah. thing yeah. and goggles, obviously. And I had an apron and I literally used to catch the apron on fire from the, yeah, the from sparks, the sparks. And the metal coming coming down on it yeah i know exactly so if you were a little kid you would look at that and think <laughs> that's a complete nut right there walking around with his apron yep. on fire you know yep. <laughs> how about dad now is he still heavily involved still at the shop i think you told me he's still at the shop on a regular basis yeah absolutely yep. you know it's been tougher here with uh with the quarantine situation going on we're trying to keep him at his distance just to keep family healthy but uh you know, before that, he's he's about nine thirty or ten a.m. till about six p.m. every day. Just, really? Uh, you know, we, we got our flat track team in the shop now, doing the factory Harley Davidson flat track team for those guys, and that's kind of our big push right now. You know, drag racing where we kind of become self sufficient, keep stuff going, and you know, if we have questions on what avenue not to go down, because he's been about everywhere with the the pro stock engines, uh, we'll go ask him those questions. But he's uh, full force trying to get our help, flat track team helped out with uh, power delivery and. Uh, got Matt back there now working with the flat track team on suspension, doing the shock dynos and things. So it's, uh, that's grown into quite the animal in our shop now with, uh, with what we have for our race teams and not only to that, but, uh, last year we fielded a couple bikes with, uh, Black Hills, Harley Davidson in the yep. production twins class. So now at Vance and Hines here in Brownsburg, we're producing production twin Harley Davidson XG 750R for racing. So you can buy the turnkey, ready to race, everything you need to go racing with that motorcycle out of our shop. Yeah, we're actually like really the only first time ever for Harley Davidson uh, that kind of licensed it towards us to where we can build motorcycles and sell them with the Harley Davidson branding in them. So uh, that's been an awesome venture to go down and really learn. Uh, Andrew and I kind of, we've stepped back from the daily operation role of the race team in general and kind of Andrew heads up the whole engineering of the shop and handles that. And I handle the business side of it. So, uh, me and him have a career, let's say outside of racing. Um, you know, you got to kind of think about your future, family, kids, everything that you have. And I mean, for me, I want to be there for my kids as they grow up and, uh, be a part of it. I have a little boy that probably is going to be a little gearhead too. So, um, it, it's just cool to be able to be a part of that and, and really the rich history, like you said, 40 plus years of, uh, of the Vance and Hines side of it to, to be involved in that and take it one step further to actually be involved with Harley Davidson 
and to say, you know, when, when you open up a record book, we're tied in with Harley Davidson, we're tied in with all that. And to, to be a part of it's really cool. And, uh, it's just something special, you know, it's, it's, it's a neat thing on what we get to do. Well, it's nice to hear that. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't nice at the moment that he, that it was spitting parts out and, and into his legs and stuff, but it's nice to hear that he's human anyways, you know, oh, yeah. you just picture Byron Hines and every time you see something that he's worked on, it's fast, you know, and it doesn't break and it just keeps coming at you. But uh, certainly a lot of lot of trial and tribulation all along yeah. the way. Another good story that a lot of people would probably never hear because you're not inside the inside. We the ought to do walls. our own podcast yeah. and have Ken on. <laughs> we could call it like we, you know, the history or something like that. So they, they used to mess around at night at, at the shops when working on little trail bikes and you know street bikes and things like that. So they got this wild idea that they wanted to take a I think it was a Trail 70. Yep. And put it on nitro. Said, and they'll just go out in the street, you know, Marquardt Drive, right, right outside the shop that's still there in Santa Fe Springs, California, and they'll just, just have fun running up and down the, down, down the street. So, my dad got the, got the nitro out, poured it in the tank, said, "Okay, we need to pull the needle out of this thing, file it down a little bit, put it back in." He's like, "It just, it just wouldn't run right. You take it down the street, it was popping, sputtering, this and that, and just wouldn't take throttle right." And uh, so he came back in. He said, "He said it was probably 15 iterations to take a carburetor on and off this thing, taking the needle out." And, Holding the clips out and filing yep. this thing, let's stick in the lathe and sand on a little bit. He said, "Finally, it was like smaller than a needle." And he's like, "What's the point of this?" And he threw the needle away, and the thing ran perfect. <laughs> so they, they would beat on that thing for night after night, weeks after weeks at the shop, and then it would it blew the transmission up or blew the clutch out of it. So they welded everything together. So then it's a direct, direct drive. drive. So they got to bump start this thing now. Well, then it turned out being really start. They started changing gearing and doing this and putting on more more percentage of nitro. So finally, they I think they took it out to. Uh, uh, PCH Pacific Coast Highway, and they ran it against a guy that had some Suzuki 750. It's probably the mid 80s, and the guy on the Trail 70 passed the guy on the 750 <laughs> Suzuki at about a hundred miles an hour. They, they found had, somebody to ride yeah, it, of yeah, course. Yeah, absolutely. But the, yeah. it's the little stories like that. That I always remember that one, and then having the, the little mini bike flat track races, slick track inside the shop. You know, people throwing salt out on the ground so they could slide them around a little more <laughs> slide into boxes into walls and oh that's of course awesome. we don't get to do that nowadays yeah. on our nice epoxy floors but that was the cool stuff back in the day angela you had to be you had to at least be paying attention you're not as as old as i am but um no i was gonna say she you, was probably still a kid at the at yeah that time. She, oh, she was yeah but she was a teenager <laughs> when she was getting up you know up into the 90s so um you had to be paying attention to it at, at some point in time, I know you were like on a dirt bike there for a while, but were you watching the drag racing bikes as well? I'm just, I'm in a little bit of shock right now that Eddie said that I was a kid instead of, he, he likes to say I'm like 65 years old. So just a little <laughs> I, shocked right now. I, I was going to say you were just graduating high Keep school, guessing, but, I, right? but I didn't want to say that. <laughs> but yeah, I was definitely paying attention. You know, I've, I don't know what happened to me um, as a human being to make me so obsessed with motorcycles, but I've been that way since I was about four years old. Um, so I've, I've always been aware of everything that's going on. I may not have been educated on a lot of it like these two guys are. It's interesting to sit here and listen to the stories myself because I don't know a lot of it. But I was uh, just infatuated with Terry Vance all the way from the beginning. I had a poster of him on my bedroom wall where you know my friends had the the rock bands or whatever singer they were obsessed with my posters were motorcycles out of cycle world magazine and a big giant one of terry vance so i've been in it from the beginning too well and that uh that fuel bike was just so futuristic looking at the time it, i mean it's a beautiful bike today um i had heard 
was it last year or 2018? I think Sam Wills was putting that back together. I know Spider-Man La- crashed La- it, but I think he was Larry owns it. it. Larry's got the bike. Um, it, it was. He was kind of working on a restoration project, and then it you know, it kind of fell aside on Larry's side. And he, I think he well, – I talk to Larry quite often, but I think he's got it back at his shop now, and he's kind of piecing some things together. He lost some stuff, and so it's kind of a project, but he definitely wants to put that bike 100% back together. That's his plan. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly a part of big part of history, as was that Terminal Van Lines bike, the Triple Honda. I mean, just just great times. I mean, no question about it. And then to see where the sport has come to what you guys are doing and and the the success that you guys have had. I mean, the three of you on this same team and three of you account, uh, all three of you inside of the top four winningest drivers of all time are NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycle. That's phenomenal. The only one that uh, that doesn't, fit on the team is Schultz so uh and I'm sure he's an honorary member I, I can't imagine anybody not including Dave you know but uh but great stuff and and Angel you were racing against those guys for you know at the beginning of your career I think did you you competed with Dave a little bit right and then also I John did. Myers <clears throat> yeah I, I did a lot I was actually teammates with John Meyer in the beginning of my career and um Dave Schultz was he was in the other lane for my first win in Reading Pennsylvania so I raced him, um, I remember the day like it was yesterday, September 16th, and he red-lit in the final, but that same weekend, uh, we set the national record. I was number one qualifier, and I beat Dave in the final, so it's a huge memory for me. So did I read this right? Do you have like 45 number one qualifiers? 50. I think it's they know Andrew knows better than I do. I think it's 50. Is it 51? 51? Yeah. I think we got you 50 and 51 last year on the Harley. That's right. Maybe it was maybe it was 45 before you retired or semi-retired there for a minute. I believe that's correct. Yes, I let's let's recap that. You know, Andrew has way more wins than I do, but I did take 6 years off. So, that's an excuse for me. <laughs> and yes, I do have more number 1 qualifiers than he does. So, well, you what you do have that he will never have is you are currently the most successful motorsports female in the world of all disciplines. So you can ride that one for a little while if you'd like. I, I don't really like the title of the most successful female, though. I, I just want to be the winningest. And Andrew has made it really difficult to achieve that one goal that I hadn't achieved in my career. But I'm on the right team now. I just need to get those two to back down a little bit and maybe I can get some more wins, but I don't, I don't know if Andrew's going to make it possible for me. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, rumor has it, you've got some new tube to sit on this year. So maybe that's the I magic. Do. It is awesome too. I only got to ride it three times in testing right before the Gainesville race that got canceled and amazing motorcycle right off the trailer. I think I had my best three runs that I've had on the team so far. I, we just didn't get to show it in Gainesville. So I'm really anxious. This downtime has kind of hurt a little bit, you know, because we're just sitting around bored out of our minds. And, and it, Andrew says he hasn't seen his motorcycle, but they get to see him. I don't even get to see my baby. I'm all the way over here in Louisiana and I miss it so bad. I actually miss the whole team. So I really can't wait to get back on it and see what I can do with it this year. So one question that I have for you, Angel, was back in the day when you were when you were with George Bryce and, and Star Racing, the rivalry had to be vicious with the Vance and Hines team. What was that rivalry like? You know, inside the trailer, uh, did you it did you despise the V and H guys? <laughs> no, it was. Um, I mean, I respected them very much, and I wanted to beat them so bad because I mean, to be the best, you got to beat the best. 
but the rivalry between Matt Hines and myself was very legitimate. It was, it was pretty vicious at times. There were some words exchanged. Um, I think if I had been a man instead of a woman, there might've been some, some punches thrown one, once or twice. It, it got pretty ugly, but you know, over the years, there was still that respect there. It was just that we're both, we were both so competitive and we wanted to beat the other one so bad. And, um, that rivalry continued even after Matt left. Uh, I think it was mostly between Eddie and myself. I, I never really wanted to beat up Andrew as bad as I wanted to punch <laughs> Eddie in the throat. But uh, And it, I've told uh, her it's, it's not above me to go over there and choke a woman out or something. Well, and she should also know she's not the only one in that group. <laughs> There's a lot but, of people uh, that want to punch Eddie in the throat. I'm certain of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I want to beat anybody that's in the other lane, but I've never wanted to beat anybody as bad as I, as I wanted to beat the Harley Davidson and Vance and Hines team. And then I got, you know, I was put on this team and it was a totally different story. And now I'm part of the team and I have to race with the guys that I want to beat so bad, but I still want to beat them. I, I still want to beat Eddie more than I want to beat Andrew um, in a way. I, I want to beat Andrew's numbers. I want to beat Eddie up. So it's a little bit different. But, <laughs> But I have to admit, and, uh, and this is going to be hard to spit out, over the last year, I have gotten so close to this team. I'm trying to keep the fun rival going because it's good for the sport, it's good for the fans, and it legitimately is a little bit of a, a, you know, a brotherly, sisterly rivalry going on between Eddie and myself. But I've gotten so close to them that it's hard to even pretend that I don't like him anymore. So there you go. I really miss Eddie. I like Eddie, but <laughs> I still want to be on the right side. <laughs> so I've got to ask, is that why Andrew's listed as your crew chief and not Matt? <laughs> <laughs> that would be correct. So, I mean, I, but Matt and I, we both grown up. Um, we, we were much more respectful in our, you know, in our older years. We, we, like I said, we had some words that were not really nice in the past. They hugged but... like one year. It was, was it Brainerd or was it like yeah, Sonoma? Was so I think it was Sonoma. Certainly like, they've been drinking for sure. I love you, man. I love yeah. you. Yeah. I was, hold on. Let me get my camera out. And I'm like taking pictures. I'm like, I got was, this on video. Sonoma. So we ended up just giving each other a hug and it was the weirdest, the weirdest moment. But, you know, <laughs> I, I could see that the ice was broken and, we, there was a genuine respect for each other. And now it's fine. I mean, if I see Matt now, it's like, you know, it's like there never was that rivalry there. So I'm, I'm really excited about all of it. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain. It's hard for somebody to understand unless you've been in it to beat everybody on the planet, to race the absolute best and then beat all of those people. It's really hard to, to understand. And when you get some people, some powerhouses, like, you know, at your level, boy, I'll tell you, it doesn't take long, man. People, the hair, the hair's up on everybody's back, you know, when they get out of bed in the morning. Well, I mean, one yeah, of the I've... things that was kind of interesting is when Terry brought me on, he uh, he grabbed me and he said, you know, the, the, the one thing that always stuck in my head is he said, I'm bringing you on to make Andrew better. And I, I was, you know, I, you never really think about that at that time, but it was kind of a good compliment towards me. You know, the guy had a lot of faith in me. There was, I mean, a whole uh, paddock full of people or or hell, the whole planet that wanted to be on that motorcycle. And uh, trust me, there's people that would bring blank checks, whatever it takes, put me on that bike. And, uh, you know, I was I was the lucky guy. Andrew calls it, you know, he he saw it from the the backside, which was like the uh, motorcycle idol, basically, you know, bringing on people, trying them out and getting them on the bike and seeing who could do things, who can't. And obviously, now that I'm on this side of it, I'm clued into all that and I understand it and, and I see it. 
But uh, that was the interesting thing to me is what Terry said and when he said that, you know, hey, I'm bringing you on to make him better. And and after you do think about it, it's like, wow, that's that's a big compliment, especially from somebody like that. Yeah, because you push each other, right? I mean, you Absolutely. want somebody yeah. that's as competitive and as good as you are because it's going to make the team better. It's going to make everybody around you better. The people that work on his bike, they're going to dig because they want to beat your bike. And as long as you can contain it all and not have the rivalries you know, extend into a hatred or, yep. or whatever you would like to call that. Everybody's got to remain as teammates. It will for sure make the team better. Well, I, I think the thing that is hardest coming in from a position where, you know, you're going to ride for a team that, you know, the team owner's son, let's just say, is, is riding a motorcycle or doing thing is, is it's what everybody from the outside says to you. Because it's funny. It's like more people want to see you fail than they want to see you succeed. And until you learn how to kind of mentally push that out of your head and take that through its paces, everybody told me, oh, his bike's going to be better, this, that. I was riding, and our motorcycles to this day are pretty much identical, like to a T, where you can take and you well, can... Well, not really. He's shorter, so his feet, foot <laughs> yeah, pegs and handlebars are I was going to say, except, that's what I was going <laughs> to just say. Except for the handlebars and the foot pegs, our bikes are identical. Parts are identical. It doesn't matter who has what. Yes, we have our own engines or we have our own stuff that we like, but we've kind of done away with that in the last two years where it doesn't really matter who gets what engine. Just throw it in. We kind of have an idea and work with it. Um, but I can tell you that can ruin your career if you listen to everybody because... First thing I did is I knew it was going to be a learning curve. I rode the motorcycle. I went out there, made laps, did everything I could. I was always a few hundreds behind. So I had Andrew ride the bike one day. He went out there, went the same as he did, I think it was. And then I got on a bike, and I'm like, okay, that's my 300s. It's me riding. So it's just very simple. Go out there and start working on it. If you don't strive to be better, you're not going to be any better. And I think that's what me and him both do is we both want to be better. We come back. He used to always yell at me, oh, man, you you just went low. You're number one qualifier. Of course it was a bad run. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm telling you, it slowed down in fourth gear. It did this or it did that. And, you know, you start looking at it, and then you start educating yourself, and you start learning. And then we went to the wind tunnel, and then we there's all this stuff that me and him that I could say did together on these motorcycles that taught us how to be where we are today. And uh, I don't think it would be possible if – you were down each other's necks or you know hated each other it's like you have to have an understanding of what each person is and we're both completely different as in like the the as you can tell he talks a lot more yeah the the human being (laughs) i would say we're both completely different he's reserved back calm i'm the loud mouth that never shuts up and keeps going but uh we kind of neutral out each other and work really good together when it comes down to riding the bike though that's where you have to have 100 percent faith in what he's saying and what you're thinking for you know right now to excel in our class it's it's those minute thousands and sometimes you can't find that in the tune up you know the, the tune up will get you the the 90% the rider is going to make up that last 10% that's going to make the difference between a you know a number 3 or 4 qualifying spot and a number 1 and we've i think that's probably what led to our success probably the, yep. the last 10 years or more was we always wanted to be I want to be better than Eddie he want to be better than me so we push each other to find that 100th here 100th there and the, our feedback and then correlating what our, our butt's feeling and our mind's seeing to what the computer's saying, you have to make, make sure you make the right choices on is the rider right or is the, the electronics right? And then you find the happy blend of that, and it works out really well. So that's where we've really excelled here the last few years is trying to get that, that last little bit to make sure these motorcycles are as fast as they are. We'd be, we may not have the horsepower in relation to the field that we yep. think we have or what other people think we have. We just make really 
in our eyes, we make bad runs. But yeah. our runs are really, really good most of the time. Well, there's a, a super late model driver, dirt late model driver. His name's Scott Bloomquist, and he said the guy that wins the most is the is the same guy that sleeps the least, you know, and, and meaning obviously yeah. the hard work that's put in and, you know, surrounded by the team and the personnel that you have, certainly some resources that, that others don't have, and I'm not giving them an excuse. And you jumped into the game, you know, with the big boys, and, mm-hmm. and you're the guys that they want to go beat. That's why they're there, and, and they have some success as well. But watching you guys do what you do year in and year out, that's the true testament, you know, to see what has gone on. I mean, watching Matt, I think, was the first three – uh, three-time champion consecutively, you know, and then you come along and you do the same thing and you win two of them consecutively. Actually, Angel was second yep, one, yep. I think, to, to win three oh. consecutively. So kind of broke that trend. But to have all of you together doing that uh, and enjoying that success, it, it comes in. And her team at the time, and she was as well, I mean, Star Racing for for sure was putting in the, the time, you know, the work to, yep. to get better and better and better. But no doubt about it, you know, you guys pushing each other certainly is going to yield some great dividends but but i think what helps us also is we understand the functionality of the motorcycle know the parts and pieces that are on it know everything i mean andrew pretty much designed that whole motorcycle that we ride he has it it's in cad it's in format that he can sit down on a computer design draw a part without ever looking at the motorcycle he knows what it all is and i think when we sit down and we analyze data both him and i and and sit there and look at it we know in our head when we're looking at it that's where it's slowing down, and that's why I could see it in the feed, in, in in the information in front of us. And that was one of the things that we brought Angel when we brought her on. We we explained to her. We said, "Hey, listen, you have everything we have. Everything is identical. It, there is no bad stuff here. But you're probably going to get this, or you're going to get that, and we're going to show you. And we've probably I'd, I'd like to say we helped educate her on on some of that to where you really understand." how much that good to bad run differs. There's runs, she comes back, she says, that was perfect. And we're like, all right, who's going to make her cry? You know, it's like, <laughs> this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. We'll just start there. And, you know, the, and that's, we're not doing it to be hard on her, or we're not doing it because we want her to be better. And she wants to be better. And I, I will tell you, out of everybody that I have met over the years, the one hard thing to do is when you make a change on a motorcycle is to adapt to that change. And if you tell somebody, hey, bring up your shift point, 100 RPM, 99% of the people out there probably couldn't do it. But, you know, she manages to do it, and she does it well. And so I think that's a, that's a, that's a big thing that you need to be understandable about when riding these bikes. So, Angel, that brings up a great subject. I'm really curious to, to hear how different it is to come from – another style of bike to get on one of these bikes because you clearly struggled last year. I mean, you're trying to ride that thing. Yeah. You're on the left side of it. You're on the right side of it. It's going left. It's going right. And, and exact comes back to exactly what you said earlier, uh, Eddie, which is all the fans, including me, by the way, I will, <laughs> I will fall in into the group to say, she's not getting what they're getting. That ain't happening. That thing's not even trying to go straight. Yeah. So, Fill me in a little bit. What was going on there? It's true. They, you know, I, I heard it or I read it a lot on my social media when people say, you better Don't tell read them the boys. Comments. Yeah, but it's, it's, and it was so not true. I had exactly what I needed to win every single race last year, but it was the biggest learning curve I've ever had in anything I've ever done in my life. And I, I still struggle to find the words to describe why it was so much harder. I, I think a big part of it was more mental than anything. I just... Because literally the first time I ever sat on the bike, when they invited me to the shop and I sat on it, they set it up 
how they thought it would fit me well. And then once I got there, we changed some things around to make it fit even better. And they got the bike to, it felt like the V-twin that I had ridden the year before. When I'd closed my eyes on it, I felt like I was on the same motorcycle because everything was in the same place. But then when I'd open my eyes and see that I was on a Vance and Hines Harley Davidson, I would literally start to shake. I mean, it was just, I was so nervous about it. So I think I had to overcome the mental side of it, but it, it is a really difficult motorcycle to ride. And, and back to what we were just discussing a minute ago, if it weren't for having Andrew and Eddie on the team, I think a lot of the, the season I would have thought I'm doing really, really well. Like I think I'm running the spike really well, but then when I get back and compare it to what Andrew and Eddie are doing, I was doing really, really bad. I had so much, so much more room for improvement and it took me the whole year. It's, um, it's just, it's a heavy motorcycle. And of course, NHRA added more weight to us, which kind of put me over the edge of what I could handle at my size. But I, I do, I handle it well. It's just, I have to react a lot quicker because I'm smaller. So if the bike gets out of the groove and, you know, Andrew can kind of just arches back a little bit and bring it back, I can't do that. I have to literally move my whole butt off the side of the motorcycle. So I had to get past the fear of getting out from behind the fairing because in the beginning, when I started on the street ride, um, it was such a small windshield and I, I wasn't used to all that wind hitting me. And like I said, mentally, I was literally afraid. I was afraid of the wind. I was afraid to move out of, out the side of the bike and I had to overcome that. And then, and then we got the new FXDRs, which were a lot better, still not as good as what I was used to riding as far as stopping the wind from hitting me. But towards the end of the year, I just, I overcame the fear. I got used to the feeling, the vibrations, the, the torque of the engine. I, I just, I became one with the motorcycle. I did a lot of mental, you know, preparation over the off season and working out and getting stronger. And when we went to Orlando at the beginning of this year, it just all came together and I couldn't wait to take it down the racetrack. And then the pandemic happened and now I'm sitting here waiting to get another chance. Yeah, I'd, I was, I would thank you very much for the answer. And, and of course it sheds a, a great light. And like you say, the fans just don't have that behind the, the scenes information to go off of. And I, I looked at you two for years. I constantly watch you two for years to see how close are those bikes. And and notoriously, you guys are just right there with each other. It did seem like your bike in the back half of last year was a little bit different. It, it did it, not have it, the pace. It was. I mean, his. But for three years prior to that, my bike was better than his. Yeah. And, you know, we kind of we worked on it. There's no such we built motorcycles. I don't know how many of them we've probably built. And they're identical. They're, they're as close as you can get. But they're as stubborn as could be. That you know, it's like they don't want the same tune-up. They don't want anything close to the same. You put his tune-up in my bike, it would slow down. I put my tune-up in his bike, it would slow down. So it was about working and figuring it out and kind of really just tuning it to, with what it wants. And, and you have to give the motorcycle what it wants. You can't give it what you think and you know hope from there. But uh, one of the things that we have done, you know, I mean, I've taken the engine out of my bike. We stuck it in hers, you know, in, uh, in Angel's and said, here you go. You have the engine I used the last race. It's everything's yeah, yeah. going right in there. We st for me, uh, tuning her bike, I actually started believing the press a little bit. Like maybe it, it's all the same parts. You know, these all these engines come off the CNC. They go in the, mo in the bike and they all make the same horsepower. I started believe, starting to believe some of the words that were written out there. I'm like, okay, so we roll into Indy. I had a really good points cushion. I couldn't have lost uh, number one leaving, leaving Indy. I said, okay, here's the deal. Told my guys, I said, when you put my, back, my bike back together, give me all her parts. Give me her fuel system, engine, everything, and throttle bodies, everything. Take all my stuff, put it on her bike. <laughs> and I told her what we were going to do, and she's like, 
is that going to be okay? I'm like, it's <laughs> the exact same stuff. I said, we're going to go testing. I'm going to run your parts before Indy. I ran her stuff. I ran really good. I ran right yep. there with Eddie. And I said, okay, if she's got my equipment that I just won all these races in a row on, and she, we go out to Indy, and she qualifies number one. And everybody's like, that, see, that's it. That's it. But I was number two right behind her with my parts. So it's, <laughs> with her, with and her, and the mental parts. thing happened. Because remember, you told me you have all my stuff. So instantly I was like, well, I'm going to win the race. I have all of Andrew's yeah. stuff. So <laughs> the, mental, the mental side. So there it, it is. There's the truth. She yeah. was subscribing <laughs> to it as well. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we, we go through but the it, race. But it helped me to ride better because I believed it more. So the mental part of this thing we do is, is amazing. So then she tells me after that, that indie event that weekend, she's like, am I going to get to keep your parts? <laughs> I said, this is the countdown. I'm getting my stuff back. This is what I've, I've been tuning on the whole time. But I got her bike, her parts. It was her ECU, Lambda Control, everything, her oxygen sensors, everything that was her on her bike. I ran on mine, got it tuned up where I knew my bike was running. And uh, the next weekend we went to Reading. Reading, yep. And uh-huh. told her, I said, I don't know. I don't even know if I told you at first. I think you did. You said you got all your stuff back. So you got all your stuff back. And what does she do? She goes out and qualifies number one in all her parts. Number one. Yeah, it all worked out really well. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Skinny. To watch the video versions of all of our shows, please visit our YouTube channel, Fatheads TV. Be sure to check out all the latest sun and optical eyewear at fatheads.com. Special thanks to our sponsorship partners at Elliott's Custom Trailers and Carts. This has been a production of Fathead Studios. Please remember to subscribe.